Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Left and Correct. The, the only podcast. podcast. Where both of us are, are left, but only one of us is correct on a two-second delay. Right. We never get it right. Well, it's we because, never get it right. you know, in the age of corona over Zoom, we, we do what we can. We do what we can. <laughs> <laughs> we're not sure if it's like, are you hesitating? Is this a delay? We don't know, but we go with the flow. We that's go with all the you flow. Can do. That's all you can do. Flow, yeah. flow every day. Uh, what's going on with you? Uh, what's going on with the news? Oh well, I you know today was my last day at the ballet. We're you know mm. for a for a for a furlough uh, that is going to starting tomorrow which we knew about and it it's pretty inevitable that it was going to happen right i mean if you can't perform the nutcracker there goes all of your money right <laughs> like that's a that's particularly when a show like the nutcracker people from all over the country all over the world come to new york city it's a big thing that's what they do and if you can't come here for various reasons and also, do we really want people from hotspots to come here? You know, it's it's all for the best. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. You know, when they crack those nuts, they're full of money. That's true. That is actually true. Because, you know, the Nutcracker is a Russian story. So that, and they love money over there with these oligarchs. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, who doesn't love the, money? Right. Um, that was the real... Uh, Tchaikovsky, like all the different candies, actually, because you need money to buy the candy. And if you rearrange the words of Drosselmeyer, you get money. Oh, gosh. It's so weird. You know, I that was my first touring job was with that ballet, um, a ballet company doing the Nutcracker. When you're a dancer, that's big money. Yeah. When I was in college, there was a production of the Nutcracker that, that performed, that used our theater space. And I got to make uh, with the, the, the battle of the, the Nutcrackers, and the soldiers versus the mice and the rats. I got to make the powder that exploded out of the cannon. It was the, it was the most exciting thing I've ever done. I'm like, I'm making <laughs> explosives. <laughs> So, you know, like, I'm Ted Kaczynski. Ah! I did. Ah! <laughs> Ted Kaczynski. Uh, I remember Ted I mean, the most, it was very fun. I, I was the most money at the time that I had made in my life touring with this little ballet company. And uh, I got, I, I joined them like in the middle of their tour. And I had to, which is not a totally uncommon thing. I had to learn the show by watching it. So I got Ooh. to watch it like two or three times and then just go on stage, you know? Yeah. Um, I had like one rehearsal. Uh, and so I was playing the Rat King as one of the yes. parts. That's my favorite character in The Nutcracker, I must say. The best character. Uh, <laughs> but because I had uh, learned the dance by watching it, I go on, I do my thing, I fight with the prince, uh, you know, and then he, there's a part of the dance, he like chases me off stage. I'm supposed to go back and fight with him again. Well, I leave the stage and I'm like, I'm done. And I start taking off my costume and oh. I turn around and I look at the stage and everybody's, <laughs> everybody's doing stuff I've never seen before. And I'm like, huh, I don't, oh God. 
just oh. like ran off. I put the head on and ran on real quick and shook my sword and ran back off. That's an actor's nightmare. I've had, <laughs> do you, have you had a, actor nightmares where you don't know, you're on stage and you don't know what's going on or things are happening and you're, I don't know my lines. I yes. still have, I have so those dreams all, all the time. And things are falling off the stage and yeah, you can't control I still it. have them. Yeah. I still have them. I guess it's where oh, our yeah. anxiety goes. Speaking oh of, gosh! Like, uh, and in our own personal lives. Speaking of performing, our rehearsal space or one of our you know go tos seems to have closed. Simple Studios. Well, Jesus was just telling me that before we started, but I hadn't heard the news. Um, I hadn't seen an official announcement. This is just what's been passed around on Facebook. Hmm. Well. So, you know, it's like we knew that that place was held together by string and hope. I know, but it was our heartstrings that held it together. That's it definitely was. We rehearsed there many times, you know. I've spent probably a good chunk of my 30s there. So it's very, looking back, it's like, oh. You know, when I would go on dates with people who would never speak to me again, but... When you know when you go on a date and a guy will be like, "So like, where do you hang out? Like, what do you like to do?" And when I was like new to improv, I'd be like, "Well, I, uh, you know, because where were we? Where you're hanging out at Simple Studios? You're hanging out at the time at what was it? Mustang Sally's? This was before. Yes, yes. You know, yeah. At you know, like, and so you're like, I, I like to hang out at Midtown, like Bridge and Tuttle." bars like, what <laughs> like, <laughs> studio. not like oh you know i go to Lori's side and hang out here like no it's like i do improv oh so like, <laughs> like amy poehler well no but i'm myself oh do you know amy poehler no <laughs> i'm in a level three class <laughs> oh okay yeah yeah. So well, it's all gone just now. To, just it's all gone. I don't even know what comedy, live theater, any of it. I mean, the the New York City Ballet, which is on the campus of Lincoln Center, I, I think they're going to be fine. It's a cultural institution of New York City. You know, they billionaires and millionaires contribute to it. Uh, you know, but whereas smaller theaters like improv theaters off Broadway. It is it we'll we'll see what happens, you know, to those yeah. places. We will see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's going on with you? Uh nothing. Just getting rejected from jobs that I should be oh. getting interviews for. Today I got a series of five rejections, so that's nice. That always feels good. I don't understand because you are qualified to do these things, and who? I I I just I, I don't I don't get it. Like, what is? Are are all are or are all these jobs that are available really just being filled in house and? They have to post them for appearances sake. I literally don't know. I mean, 
you were with me when unemployment started for me almost a yes. year ago, back in October. Yes. And, you know, I had had such a good track record of getting jobs. I, li I don't know. All I keep thinking is there's something horribly wrong with my resume. Because I, I, this isn't even something to, like, brag about because I don't, I don't care about this day job. It's just that I did this very specific job for 10 years. So right. it's like, like you said, I'm literally qualified for it. Like this week there was a, a listing for a job at Disney uh, at one, at, for their streaming service. And it was as if I had written the job posting myself. It was like, these are the things I did every single day. So I apply one day later, rejected. What? So I'm just like, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I yeah, don't know. That, All I know. Oh, like whenever I see job qualifications or anything like that, I, <laughs> I'm like, yes, I could do that. What? Ugh. So I was watching, this is a political podcast. So yesterday I was watching the John Lewis funeral service and one of his staffers was on and she was saying how, Oh, I was, she was saying, John didn't care about resumes. He wanted to know who you were. Like, he wanted to meet you and your essence and your viability or your, you know, your eagerness to work. I'm like, I want that job. I, I could do that. This is how interviews should be, God damn it. Because, like, who is a person on paper? Every, you know, all these people, and this is the thing, the, the job market, you have all these people who look perfect on paper, they get jobs, and then they don't show up, they flake out, they leave after a couple of months. I don't know what filter is happening, who these people are in HR. There's such a disconnect with actually getting to know people versus being placed at good places. Like, if, if, if this job description that you're talking about is basically what you have been doing why the hell weren't you brought in for a friggin' interview i literally don't know i mean first off i think is there something horrible on my resume that i just don't understand like some something conceptual like the dates don't match up even though i've looked at the dates 50 times right. or my education is like wrong you know it's like because i do put that i have a bfa because i'm not lying because they could check it Right, like, right. Do I switch it and just start lying and be like, I have a, a, a BS day in computer science? Like, I don't know, maybe because maybe they'll never check. But I don't know if that's the thing, or is it that, um, like you said, these jobs aren't real? That feels very weird to me. But maybe that's happening, or like, are there just so many people applying for jobs that people who have even more qualifications than I do are getting these jobs that are actually lower than, Oh, you know, maybe. so I'm being pushed down the, the ladder. That, that's, that, I guess that could be a possibility for a lot of things like, Oh, I need something. This will do for now. But even then they're not going to stay there forever or they're probably going to end up leaving New York or, or, move on to something else and even and as far as education goes you have the experience and this is the thing is someone if someone is you know if this is there if like working in hr and placing people in the department is like their first job 
I guess education would be important because they recently have just graduated themselves. But if you have the experience, like you not having a master's in computer science or whatever it is that they think that's what we're looking for, people with, you know, uh, I think the experience outweighs the education. I think it would too. I mean, everyone I've ever talked to for the most part, except for people who are like, in high level sciences have said that they learned their job on the job, no matter what their degree was. Bankers, PR right. people, you know, even all the, mo the majority of software developers I've worked with are self-taught. Like that's a big thing in that world. Yes. So they very yeah. specifically don't always look for education. Like most of the people I worked with at Huffington Post did not have masters you know, but they were making, may, a lot of them did study computers as their bachelors, um, you know, but very few of them got, went any further than a bachelor's and most of them didn't even have a bachelor's, you know, oh, but yeah, I, I, just, yeah. I, 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 I honestly don't know. I don't know. It's so frustrating. Yeah. I, I feel adrift on a sea of madness. <laughs> <laughs> well, that at least, at least you know that that raft is it has a lot of other people on it. You know, we're all s somewhat adrift. Any tips for I'll be I'll be I'll be filing unemployment for the first time next week. Any any tips? Uh no, just get in there and do it. I mean, if the server goes down, like wait an hour, try it again. Okay. All right. Um, un filing for unemployment's very easy. You've done it before, I know, and. But um, it was, I mean, at this point, it was 12 years ago, so I don't know how much that's It's exactly changed. the same. It is literally the same. Okay. Like, the screen is the okay. same. <laughs> when I logged in, I was like, <laughs> oh, this is very familiar. I remember uh, this. It's frustrating that people have been dealing with, essentially, an overloaded server because the state yeah. won't allocate money to putting more server space. But... Once you get it, it's good. You know, it's all, all the right. same. It's all the same. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. I So I didn't watch John Lewis's funeral. Any good takeaways? Um, it seemed I, as a, uh, as a, as a history nerd, and like he was a piece of living history of the civil rights movement. And he just seemed like a really nice guy and just really sweet. And, wanting to make sure oh like he he wrote an op-ed that was released yesterday um the new york times that would like to be released the day of his funeral it's absolutely beautiful just being like i am so proud of all the young people who are out there you know for black lives matter and you know you've taken the mantle and you know you young generation like you guys are the ones who could, you know, I hope that you are the ones to dismantle, you know, racism and, you know, uh, keep the flame of democracy alive, like that kind of thing. It was very, very beautiful. And I think also history will look back on this and say, oh, that, that very interesting coincidence, but the day of his funeral where he was so prominent in voting rights. And then you have like earlier that day, Trump tweeting, planting the seeds of, you know, delaying the election and that all the mail-in ballots are going to be fraudulent. And so you have these like varying, uh, you, ha you have these two opposing factions of like free and fair elections and like on a, like 
wanting autocratic rule, basically, of delaying. And we'll see how this all plays out. Right now, everyone's saying, oh, he can't do that. This is not going to happen. The elections are set in stone, the Constitution, January 20th. But he doesn't give a shit. He never did. So we'll see what happens. That was, those were yeah, my two. I highly doubt anything would happen with it, essentially because it would require basically the backing of the military. I mean, you'd have to go into real, like, coup town to break the Constitution when it comes to this. And I just don't see the military supporting him. I mean, honestly, I think the majority of them are probably indifferent to him. So for them to take extraordinary measures to, like, siege the country seems unlikely. It seems right. Um, One thing that's actually regardless of whatever he tweets that could act be an, uh, an actual problem is a lot of the states have, if they receive uh, absentee ballots after the election, even if they've been postmarked before, they're automatically invalidated. So in, in all the swing states, like except North Carolina, have this in effect. And with the postal, with the post office, with the, you know, the new postmaster general deliberately slowing down delivery of the mail, uh, pickup of the mail, threatening to closed offices. You know, when you have this happening, that could, you know, is, is a more realistic outcome than Trump declaring an executive order that, you know, the elections could be uh, delayed right. because of coronavirus concerns. You know, so it's how do we make sure that people who are voting absentee get it right away and mail it off right away so that there's no delay and there's no, and if there is a delay, there's still enough time for them to be counted at the, you know, their board of elections office. So, yeah, I mean, our election system has been a mess for such a long time and no one can get the power to fix it, you know? I mean, there's- And when there's, they do- there's Democratic you know, like, proposals, there's bipartisan proposals, there's independent proposals. Yeah. There's bills that have moved forward. I mean, there's so many layers of what is wrong right. with our voting system. And I think with John Lewis's funeral being yesterday, it really exemplifies that where like, he was willing to put his body on the line. Like he was willing to die for this. and. I got emotional being like, am I willing to die for this, for the right to vote? Like, that's something we all, all need to be asking ourselves with coronavirus, civil unrest, you know, this nonsense of noise from Trump and this wannabe dictator BS that he does. It's like, this is our right. Like, do we, do we want this? And that's something we all need to be thinking about. Um, <laughs> I, I just worry about the normalization of the conversation, right? Because you and yeah. I can say he's, he's full of crap, but Fox News is probably talking about it right now with like Stephen Miller on or some nonsense, or, you know, it can be, it can filter through like a QAnon kind of video, which gets passed around and passed around to where people average people are saying, I don't know, but maybe we should, you know, those votes, they go out to those undocumented immigrants. We don't know who's sending them back. Who's telling, who's checking, you know, uh, that's what I worry about. I mean, there's a thousand different ways. There's a thousand different ways that our Republic could turn into 
you know, like an open plutocracy or an open oligarchy. Like we don't, we have a democratic part of our government, but it's always so weird when everyone talks about it being a democracy as if it's pure, like there's definitely a, a massive part of that is democratic, but like, you know, as long as people are comfortable, they're, it seems like they're always gonna go along. And like, we are such a plutocracy. I mean, you, it's just factual that billionaires keep expanding. We keep getting more billionaires and those billionaires keep getting more stuff. And like, as that trend continues, I see there being less of an incentive for the ruling class to even keep bothering with these democratic norms. I mean, right now, if they tried to do a fast coup, there would probably be a revolution. But if they just let things keep eroding in this silent way, the way they have, the way that the Democratic Party keeps moving to the right, that the Republican Party keeps moving to cuckoo town, like, you know, these things, they keep happening so slowly and over time. And even people, you know, like the DNC, uh, you know, they, we didn't talk about this because I just didn't feel like bringing it up, but you know, they had their votes this past week on the party platform and they voted down <laughs> legal marijuana. They voted down Medicare for all. They voted down getting uh, corporate lobbyists out of the process. I mean, every single thing that was progressive, they voted down in a hard way. And the crazy thing about it is that platforms don't matter. They aren't binding. So for them, for the corporate Democrats to say, we aren't even going to give you a fake show of progressivism, shows you it's, what the real DNC is. I, well, but the DNC, it seems kind of like a non-issue to me. Like legalization of marijuana is something that's happening among the states and it was gonna happen. Is that the most important issue? No, people care about coronavirus, they care about the economy. Even though legalization of marijuana could definitely boost the economy, but how do you do that during the pandemic? I don't know. Um, Medicare for all, People want universal health care. People want more access to health care. I think ultra lefties have really like put their teeth into the phrase of Medicare for all as a be all end all. And there are, I, I think the majority of Americans want more access to health care. They want affordable health care. They want free health care. They want Medicare expansions and that, that kind of thing. If it's called Medicare for all or not, they don't care. It's like the people who got all pissed off about Obamacare, but as soon as the Republicans wanted to take away the Affordable Health Care Act, everybody freaked out because they liked it, even though they hated Obamacare, but they liked the Affordable Care Act. So it's it's a matter of like, whereas to fund the police really like alienates a lot of people, even though it's like, no, it's about reform and re-envisioning what that looks like. You know, Medicare for all is, can, is something that's stuck where people are like, yeah, I want that but whatever that looks like. So I don't think it's a, a rejection of progressive ideals because Democrats are working on healthcare. How that looks isn't Medicare for all specifically as Sanders proposed. It may not, it might be. You know, it's one of those things, should we survive this election and go into next year, you can't wave a magic wand and get the healthcare you want, you know, so. 
it, it's well first of all the name doesn't matter i don't think any progressives care about the name what they care about is universal access to health care because as a progressive right. i say that it's immoral for us to let people have no health care you know it's also immoral for us to be charging people inordinate amount of money that right. causes them to be bankrupt right. so that's what people care about and the polls of democrats and general americans in the democratic party the polls right before this vote happened 80% of the people polled who identified as Democrats wanted universal health care. And yet the party that's voted exactly in a massive said. way against it. <laughs> that, no, well, that's not what it, that's exactly what I, it's, it, but Medicare for, conflating Medicare for all with universal health care, like it can happen, but it's, you know, a specific certain way set by the Sanders camp, you know, was voted down. You know, I, I remain hopeful in that. I mean, that's, uh, whatever. Yeah, so, I don't know. That's the DNC for you. They won't even give lip service to progressive ideas. So, I yeah. Well, you know. I mean, it's what they did. They didn't even give lip service. You know. Well, I mean, I mean <laughs> they can't do anything right by certain progressives so it's what can you do well i mean even if if this issue was anything else if this issue was like make the roads black i mean <laughs> out of asphalt or something and 80 percent of the party said they wanted it but the actual people who run the party refused to do it i don't see why that isn't an issue that makes people more upset with the dnc that shows the true colors of what those people are for. Do you know what I mean? What? I'm saying, I'm saying let's pretend that, <laughs> what? I'm road? saying let's pretend, let's pretend that there's another issue, like should hand sanitizer be in every school? And 80% of the people who are Democrats say oh, yes. Oh, I see what you're saying. So it's like, so you're saying no, but it has to be Purell hand sanitizer. And the DNC says, oh, but we have this other hand sanitizer, and you're saying, screw that, you are immoral. No, that's not, that's not what I'm saying, because, that's, you, but that's, because you, seem, you seem to think that there is some sort of specific, like, bill that they were voting on in this. Instead, they were just voting on no. the concept of, we will put universal health care into this platform. But, it, it's but not it the standards created... Right. It's, sure, it's, I mean, it could have been called Medicare for All. The naming was not the issue that's at stake. It's the very idea that we are going to fight for this universality issue. And they refuse to do that. And the idea that they have proposals to move forward, I mean, you know, Joe Biden won't even, Hillary Clinton offered to lower Social Security to age 50. You know, that was one of the things that was in the platform as a way to get progressives because lowering Social Security also like helps people get to healthcare and have, you know, life, a safer lifestyle. Joe Biden won't even do that. I mean, he offered to lower it five years from where it currently is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's giving less than even the Hillary Clinton campaign would give. So what I'm saying is the corporate 
Democrats who control the party don't care about progress at all. And in fact, work very hard to spit in the faces of well, the majority the of their voters. Of like, no, they spit into the faces of like the people who show up at the table, like, you know, who are actively trying to like dismantle the Democratic Party. So. No, the people who are trying to make the Democratic Party stand for things that will help people. Yeah, you know, it's that's what they want. They want. I mean, none of it will party. matter if we can't have a fucking election. So it's you know, it's it, you know. Sure. <laughs> it's true. Oh, yeah, it's true. You know. All right. Well. Well. Any last thoughts? We're about at time. Um, oh, to, uh, to circle back to what we had talked about in previous, like, not last time, but last week, about the ERA, and we were, were discussing, like, it's kind of in limbo because it's past its expiration. Uh, the bill got passed in the House in February to remove that extension. So ah. now it's just languishing as everything else is in the Senate controlled right. by Republicans. So everyone should contact their senators to, in addition to everything else, uh, to <laughs> bring this to a vote so that yeah. we can get the ERA full, as a full amendment. And then you'll be drafted. Thank God, I can't wait. <laughs> that was one of the big arguments against it from what I learned, is that women will be drafted even though they were about to remove the draft. <laughs> it's yeah. like, uh, okay. Okay, Phyllis. Okay, Phyllis yeah. Schlafly. Oh. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, I've been Zach Summerfield. And I've been Adrian Sexton. And this was... Left, Left and Correct. And Correct. We did it. We did it.